All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 23, and today we're talking about books released on October 13th, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Woohoo! Woo! Did you hear me bang my knee on my desk while I was saying that? <laughs> I thought maybe you were so excited that we were back together and I'm back in my office where I belong. <laughs> yes, I am. And I'm excited about books. So Books are great. Yay, books. Yes, welcome home. Thank you. It's nice to be home. And we're recording on Sunday afternoon. It is beautiful in Richmond today. It's like 68 and sunny. And I just came in from sitting in the backyard reading for a couple of hours. So I'm feeling quite blissful about books and the state of things right now. Yeah. I'm going to ruin that for you. No. Yeah. All my books are super dark. (laughs) All the books I picked today, I was like... Whoa, Debbie Downer. <laughs> I can hang. They're I can so hang with though. Super Dark. I'm excited to yeah. hear about what you've got. Before we get rolling, we should just, well, first we should celebrate the fact that we're going to get to do this show live and in person and holding each other's hands in just a couple of weeks. Book Riot Live is less than a month away now. It's November 7th and 8th in New York City. We will be there. A whole bunch of the Book Riot crew will be there. A bajillion other readers. Actually, that's not true. Probably about a thousand other readers will be there and authors and publishing people from all genres and formats with all kinds of experiences and expertise to share. Margaret Atwood will be there. Sarah McLean, who is one of our uh, shared favorite romance writers, will be there. Beverly Jenkins, Daniel Jose Older, and on and on and on and on. The lineup is so, so good. There are going to be panels. There's going to be stuff about the making of books and how publishing works. Uh, There are going to be participatory things like a writing workshop led by Mike Cole, who's also, you know, huge into exercise and personal training. And so you're going to do some exercise, then you're going to do some writing exercises and back and forth. Uh, Fancy cocktail parties in the Strands Rare Book Room, which is just about the most beautiful place on earth. And so many other things. So come hang out with us November 7th and 8th for Book Riot Live in New York City. You can use the code MOREKATS, M-O-R-E-C-A-T-S, all one word, to save 20 bucks on your registration. And uh, all the info is at bookriotlive.com. We would love to meet you there. Yes! Let's yes. get a month away. It I know. I'm so excited. Real. I know. And we don't even have our cat suits yet. No. No, I better <laughs> stop eating right now if I want to fit into my cat suit. <laughs> it's just been okay. Maybe we could just fall. get a two-headed Snuggie like in that um, Meg Wallitzer book. Oh, I got, I got a Darth Vader onesie the other day. I could get you like a Stormtrooper one. Yes. Could I be like Chewbacca? That would be awesome too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would wear a Chewbacca onesie. This is uh, what I don't remember from when I was a child is how freaking hot they are. I like, oh, wore a oh, onesies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, this? I'm, I'm dying in here. <laughs> it's so hot. Yeah. That lasted could, one night. Like, that was, was fun. We, <laughs> we could like cut a bunch of holes in them and be like shredded rock and roll Star oh, Wars onesie. Yeah, steampunk Darth Vader. You better get us rolling here with your first... If you're going to scare me and make me sad, let's kick that off now. Okay. Oh, I just hit my knee on my desk again. (laughs) Liberty, sit still. (laughs) I do. I wiggle all the time. Okay. I'll just... Okay. So, like I said, I'm bringing the dark today. (laughs) And three of my four picks are based on real life events, which I only just realized like about two minutes ago. Um, The first is called Calf by Andrea Klein. And I'll give you a little background that you learn just on the back cover and also on a page inside the book, so I'm not giving anything away. Um, in 1981, on the eve of the author Klein's 12th birthday, her friend was murdered in her sleep by her mother. 
Mm. Um, the mother, Leslie DeVoe, ended up being found not guilty by reason of insanity, and she was locked in an asylum where she began a romance with a more famous criminally insane patient, John Hinckley Jr. Whoa now, there. Yeah, right? Now, as we all know, or as most of us know, John Hinckley Jr. famously attempted to assassinate President Reagan, uh, also in 1981. He had been stalking Jodie Foster and thought that, you know, she might take him more seriously if he proved his love by killing the president. Um, things didn't work out between him and Jodie, for <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, but he did meet Leslie DeVoe inside the the institution where they were, and they had a romance that lasted two decades. Calf oh. um, is a fictionalized version of the events, not of the romance, but of the events before, um, about a young girl named Tammy whose friend is killed by her mother, and also about the stalking of an actress by a character named Jeffrey Hackney. Um, it's such a good book. It's that, I know it sounds like, <gasps> but it's so good. Um, it's like this incredible telling of adolescence and awkwardness and loneliness, both from Tammy's point of view and from Jeffrey's point of view. Um, it's really, it's a hell of a book. It's obviously rated C for child murder. You know, that is a very, really intense, disturbing part of the book. I mean, it's really hard to read. Um, the interactions between Tammy and her mother and her younger sister and her stepfather and with her friends are wrenching and so sad and perfect uh, she's just done an incredible job capturing peer pressure, and she does an amazing job capturing that time period. Um, though, as we know, I'm only a mere 23 years old. Uh, <laughs> this book brought back so many <laughs> memories of that time period for me. I mean, it's just, like, so incredible, the things that you that you remember. Um, she's a phenomenal writer, and, yeah, it's just so good. I mean, I, I love dark books. I really, you know, people would come in the bookstore and be like, I want a happy book. I'm like, they don't exist. <laughs> you know, like. I'm, man, I am in that boat with you. Yeah. I was trying to come up with some clever slogan, like, to remember that. But all I came up with is, like, if it's not dark, it don't bark. So I got. I <laughs> yeah, we got to go back to the drawing board on that Yeah, one. I got to work on that one. But it's definitely worth picking up. It's incredible. And again, that is called CAF, like C-A-L-F, by Andrea Klein. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, you are going to creep me out today, but I can hang. <laughs> um, you have our first sponsor. Do you want to do that before I get going? Yes, I do. Uh, our first sponsor is And West is West by Ron Childress, which I have not read yet, but is published by Algonquin, so you already know it's going to be good. Um, and West is West is an inspired novel about the devastating power of new technology to corrupt innocent lives. When Jessica, a young Air Force drone pilot in Nevada, is tasked with launching a missile against a suspected terrorist halfway across the world... She realizes that though women and children are in the crosshairs of her screen, she has no choice but to follow orders. Ethan, a young Wall Street quant, is involved in a more bloodless connection to the war when he develops an algorithm. I can't talk today. <laughs> you got it. it. Algorithm that enables his company's clients to profit by exploiting the international instability caused by anti-terrorist strikes. When Jessica finds herself discharged from the service and Ethan makes an error that costs him his job, both are set adrift, cast out by a corrupt system, and forced to take the blame for decisions that they did not make. Ooh. Yeah. This I like one, a good techno thriller. Yeah. This won the prestigious Penn Bellwether Prize for Socially Engaged Fiction, hmm. which was founded by Barbara Kingsolver. Yeah. Um, there's been lots of good uh, choices in the past. Uh, the Girl Who Fell from the Sky by Heidi Durow won that award, Mudbound by Hilary Jordan. Um it must be amazing to be like, I won this prize and Barbara Kingsolver. <laughs> right. You know? 
Like, Seriously. That's I, cool. I love a story that looks at how the average person who's not used to having a lot of power can be corrupted by systems that make them do questionable things. Um, and it sounds like that's what this is about, at least in part. People from opposite ends of political and the the political and economic spectrum are equally you know, weak to that possibility. I guess susceptible would be a less judgmental term uh, to use. And we talk all the time about drones and algorithms and uh, maybe not necessarily usually in the same conversations, but we hear about those a lot in the news. Um, and it's interesting to look at current events through the lens of fiction, especially it seems this must be really socially conscious fiction for having won the Penn Bellwether. It's awesome. Yeah. And dr- drones are just everywhere now. You hear about them all the time. Well, and according to Parks and Recreation, by 2017, they're just going to show up to deliver stuff to us, whether we want it or not. So. Yeah. My boyfriend was driving over the bridge a few months ago, and a drone dropped out of the sky in front of his car. What? And, got, and got run over, like, by the car in front of it. Oh, my god! Like, gosh. somebody was using it for whatever reason, just zooming around, and yeah. And it just fell out of the sky. Yeah. It makes me think of Batteries Not Included. Did you ever see that movie when you were no, little? No, I don't think so. But the little helpful floating no. saucers that... Looked like little chicken littles from Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> anyway, it's a good movie. Jessica it Tandy. It's cute. It's very cute. Okay, uh, I'm going to go into my first pick now. I got no good segue for it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that KFC thing didn't do it for you. <laughs> Look, usually I can find a way to talk about KFC. <laughs> Um, So my first selection this week is 13 Ways of Looking Fiction by Colin McCann. This is a new collection of short stories and a novella. It's uh, three short stories and a novella. So four new pieces of fiction from McCann. I was so late to the Colin McCann party. I mentioned uh, several episodes back that I just read Dancer this summer, thanks to a recommendation from a friend. There's a beautiful 10th anniversary edition out of that book, which tells you exactly how late I was to that party. And I just fell head over heels for McCann writing. Um, this new collection is marvelous. The title piece is the novella. Um, it's like well more than half of the book, which is relatively slim. It's about 150 pages total. And uh, the novella piece has 13 vignettes, thus 13 ways of looking that alternate between um, the thought stream of an, a man in his 80s. He's a retired judge uh, and he is suffering potentially from dementia. He's spending a morning reflecting on his life and we're in his head with him essentially through the those first chapters, the first chapter and then the third and then the fifth as it alternates. Um, The interstitial sections, vignettes, I guess, not chapters, um, revealed to us that later that same day, later after the morning that we're seeing him reflect, that he will be murdered outside the restaurant where he has lunch and the police will be trying to solve his murder. Um, And so there's a little bit of a mystery element, a little of that sort of literary character looking back on a life but so, so much more. There are some surprises in what happens. And really the joy and the surprise of reading Colin McCann for me is what he does with words. There's really clever wordplay and like very advanced punning uh, in some of these sentences. They are so beautifully written. All of the stories here are about people at moments of transition in their lives, but each story could not be more different from the others. And there's this thread running through all of them about how we tell stories and how we construct the events that really happened to us and put them together into a meaningful narrative and what it means to write. Um, It's metafiction- light, I guess, um, but in a very grounded and unpretentious way. It's just Colin McCann is this quiet, thoughtful writer that just sees the things about life, like the kinds of things that I wish that I were 
as thoughtful and observant to notice and then to express just so elegantly. It's um, 13 Ways of Looking, New Fiction by Colin McCann. Really lovely. Is it no longer appropriate to remark on the physical appearance of authors or people if it's positive? (laughs) Are we going to talk about how Colin McCann is hot now? Oh my God, he's so handsome. (laughs) He's so handsome. And this is my segue because after I read this next book, I looked up the author and, oh, is he cute? (laughs) I was like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I don't know if that's – I'm sorry. I just had to say that. Look, it's men's turn. (laughs) (laughs) Very cute. Um, And so that author that I'm going to talk about is Gavin McRae, and he has a new novel called Mrs. Ingalls, and it's fantastic. It is also based – on Truth, it is about Lizzie Burns, the second wife of Frederick Engels, the co-author of the Communist Manifesto, along with Karl Marx. Um, that's probably how everyone knows him best. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot is known about Lizzie Burns, and McRae has imagined most of this story based on very tiny little facts that he got. Um, the novel is amazing. It's almost lyrical because it's narrated in Lizzie's voice, so it's narrated in like this 1800s Irish woman speak um, it's it just flows like music. It's incredible. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Frederick Engels, but in this book, at least, he doesn't come off as the super great guy. Um, Lizzie and her sister worked uh, for him in his mill when they lived in Manchester. They were both very poor, and they lived in a curtained-off part of a room with a bunch of other people in a very poor part of town, and they, just, they, had, they were very miserable. Um, Engels professed to hate that he had money um, and tried to show this by talking to the workers and he meets Mary and sets his sights on her. Mary, again, is Lizzie's sister. Um, it was quite scandalous, like, for the owner of the mill to be taking up with a woman and to be staying with a woman when they weren't married. And um, especially Mrs. Marks, Carl's wife, was really, she had nothing nice to say about Mary. Um, but Engels was not a great guy, not a very faithful man. He'd leave for long periods of time and You know, Mary wasn't happy a lot, but she and Lizzie got a house, which is something that they had always dreamed that they would have, but never imagined they'd actually get it. Um, So they just kind of tolerated his behavior. And, I mean, he has a lot of money. He's not so bad. But uh, after several years, Mary died. So Engel said, hey, why go looking for a new wife when I've got Lizzie right here? (laughs) He probably didn't say it quite like that. Um, Every girl loves to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm always so surprised. Like, when I, I, you know how I love to read about the Civil War? It's like... This woman passed away, so he married her sister. Like, what? Um, anyway, the main story of Mrs. Engels is about how Lizzie and Frederick moved to London. He wanted to be closer to Karl Marx, so Lizzie moves along with him, and now she is this uneducated Irish mill worker living in this big house with these really uh, disrespectful servants um, and trying to follow the social graces of the day, but mostly finding it nonsense and expressing that to people around her and mostly in her head because she's she's narrating it um Engels himself basically bankrolls the Marx family like he put them up in their house he pays for everything um and Lizzie doesn't particularly like that and she doesn't like Karl Marx's wife that much so she doesn't drop around as often as she should which causes problems um she's a very strong opinionated woman um she's very sharp-tongued and she's very funny the book itself is often very funny but it's just it's also sad because it's the story of a woman who has not had it very easy in her life, and even though things are easier for her now, she's not very comfortable in her station or how she got there. Um, also, it's rated K for kitten murder. 
So all of these books have very troubling <laughs> ratings this week. Just putting it out there. I was like, huh, oh no, oh no. Yep. Kitten murder. That's rough. But it's so good. It's so good. It's one of the new books that uh, Catapult put out, the mm-hmm. new publisher. So um, again, that is called Mrs. Engels by Gavin McRae. Okay, I can go for something that's just more of a straight, scary story Yay. now, or a bunch of them. This actually came out last week, and we didn't get to talk about it, so I'm talking about it this week. Um, and I think that the books are actually just being shipped this week. Uh, long story about why I might even know that. Uh, but, but this is my next pick is called Ghostly, a collection of ghost stories. It's edited by Audrey Niffenegger. Yes, she of the time traveler's wife. Um, an interesting thing that I have learned as a reader of Audrey Niffenegger's work is that most of it is much darker than the time traveler's wife like that sort of romantic story is an exception to her oeuvre if you will uh her next novel after that her fearful symmetry was much darker and you know traces of lots of older kind of gothic stories ran through it i really loved that as well um ghost kittens ghost kittens right like it was that was an interesting book Uh, so this is an anthology that she edited that essentially traces the origin of the ghost story and then the evolution of the ghost story from you know there's gothic stuff victorian and contemporary writers and niffenegger who's a talented artist as well as a writer uh, illustrates each piece so there are new drawings that go with each one there's a new short story that she has written uh, included in the collection as well and there are pieces by edgar Allan poe kelly link neil gaiman as i mentioned one by audrey niffenegger herself a whole bunch of different takes on the ghost story i've read about half of these i was trying to read it in time for last week and then uh, i had the drama of going away for 10 days of travel and forgetting my ipad loaded up with all the things that i was reading Uh, so i got derailed i'm looking forward to finishing the rest of them uh, hopefully when the nights turn a little bit cooler and darker here in the south Uh, so that is ghostly a collection of ghost stories by audrey niffenegger it has a really beautiful cover as well so if you're looking just for like a gorgeous book to put on your coffee table and pet and love on uh, through the season of horror reading, you want to pick that up. Um, While I'm talking about Ghostly, let me tell you also just a short plug for the horror box that we have in the Book Riot store right now. Um, It has four Book Riot approved, uh, some of our favorite horror books, um, spooky reads that have come out in the last couple of years, and three bookish items as well. Two of them were created just for the horror box. They won't be available anywhere else. So if you are looking to read some scary stuff, if you want to sleep with all the lights on, uh, for a couple of nights through the season. You can go to store.bookriot.com, click your way to the $100 horror box. The contents are worth more than $100. And again, you get some exclusive stuff that we've made just for this. And that is in the Book Riot store while supplies last. More than half of them have already sold. So if you're thinking about it, don't hesitate. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, I don't have a segue. For yeah, this. We, this is the show with no segues. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is the dark segueless show. Um, this next book I'm going to talk about is called Twain's End by Lynn Cullen. Um, I try to read about as many books as I can and follow the catalogs and all that stuff, but every once in a while something gets by me. And the other morning I was on Instagram and somebody posted this photo of this book that they were reading. And I was like, oh, what's that? And then I found it out that it came out on October 13th. And I was like, I want to read that. And it was amazing. Awesome. It's Twain's End by Lynn Cullen. Uh, this is the third based on real life novel that I read. Um, it is widely said that at the end of his life and quite a bit earlier on, Mark Twain was a bit of a bastard. Just really <laughs> unpleasant to deal with. 
And he had his daughter, Clara, and his secretary, Isabel, and his business manager, Ralph, looking out for him. And by all accounts, he was just very difficult. He wasn't very nice to anybody. Um, in 1909, he gave his blessing to Isabel and Ralph to marry. A month later, he fired them both. And he and his daughter went to the papers and to anyone who would listen, claiming Isabel was, and I quote, a liar, a forger, a thief, a hypocrite, a drunkard, a sneak, a humbug, a traitor, a conspirator, a filthy-minded and salacious slut pining for seduction. Those are some words. Yeah. So this is the story of that event, like (laughs) the things that happened, how he changed his mind about them, um, the circumstances that led up to his vicious words, as well as the story of the time Helen Keller came to visit Twain's Connecticut home along with her teacher, Ann Sullivan, and Ann's husband. Uh, that triangle there was like a whole other complicated mess oh that boy. sort of comes to light. Um, it's this amazing look at a sort of tortured genius, uh, a man who is tormented by his childhood and memories of his slave-owning parents and extremely self-aware of his horrible behavior, yet seemingly incapable of changing. Um, I mentioned last week how fascinating I find Houdini. Like, I just mm-hmm. love to read about him. And another person I can't read enough about is Helen Keller. She, I had the wonderful privilege of seeing um, Rosie Sultan talk about her wonderful book, Helen Keller in Love, a few years ago, which is a novel based on the true story of Helen Keller and her fiancé, who you barely hear mentioned when people write about her. It's just like this one little sentence that Rosie Sultan read in a biography that said, oh, and this one time that she almost eloped, Helen Keller. And oh she was like, what? How? Who? So she... Uh, researched it and wrote this whole book about the that experience. Um, she, I mean, she was just an incredible woman. I mean, Mark Twain, obviously, very fascinating man. Um, but this is also really fun for the Helen Keller aspect. And it's just a really fun novel. That's This is probably my lightest pick of the day. <laughs> um, so, again, that is called Twain's End by Lynn Cullen. All right. Before we roll on, we have our next sponsor of the show. FabFitFun is back this week. And thank you to them for sponsoring. Uh, FabFitFun is a subscription box with premium full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. So there's no like, here is a quarter ounce of moisturizer. You're welcome aspect to it. The book, uh, the box comes out once each season. It retails for $49.99 and it always has a value of over $200. The folks at FabFitFun are really working hard to get Get great products um, for their subscribers that exceed by a lot uh, the ticket price for the box. So you definitely get your money's worth. You can subscribe at fabfitfun.com. Uh, they're currently rolling out the fall box and you can use the code all the books, all one word, uh, for $10 off your first one. They sent me a sample one, which I talked about last week, and it was really great. There's an adorable little light blue umbrella that has a great font that says rain, rain, go away, sort of in a repeating pattern all over it. There were um, these gold radiance facial masks, which I really needed something for my skin after lots of airplanes and the under eye bags from jet lag and not sleeping and all of that business. And I tried one and it was fun to sit around my house and use a facial mask and feel like I was a teenager teenager at a sleepover again. And it also was really nice. Uh, there's a flawless skin fluid in this fall box. There is a picture it on canvas, a $75 gift card. So you can have a canvas made of a photo that you love. Um, some of it goes, some of the proceeds go to the Purple Purse Charity, which supports victims of domestic violence and abuse. Uh, apparently the folks at FabFitFun partner with different organizations for different seasons. And so you get a charm for the Purple Purse Charity in this box as well. And I won't tell you 
all of the contents because, you know, it is supposed to be a surprise. And there were a lot of things. Uh, I opened this box and I just felt like I kept on taking more stuff out of it. It was like the Mary Poppins bag of subscription boxes. Where like, how or maybe it's a TARDIS. Like, how did this all fit in here? And there was just so much. There is stuff for beauty. There's stuff for fitness, um, lifestyle and fashion. And just a general, like, if you want to treat yourself and just, you know, feel good about being a girl, this is definitely geared towards a, a female subscriber. Or if you're shopping uh, for a lady type person in your life, uh, a FabFitFun subscription would be a great gift. Again, you can go to FabFitFun.com to subscribe. They're normally $49.99 per season with a value of over $200, but you can use the coupon code all the books for $10 off your first one. So thank you again to FabFitFun for sponsoring us this week. Yes. Thank you. Okay. And that brings me to. My third show in a row talking about a book for, about North Korea. I, I was <laughs> waiting for you to mention it because I was going to point it out. <laughs> um, I think I, it was either last week or the week before I was struggling to remember the title of this book. And then I saw that it was coming out in paperback. Um, so this, is, this, this book came out before my North Korea reading kick. So I'm going to be reading it soon. Without You, There Is No Us, My Time with the Sons of North Korea's Elite by Suki Kim. Again, it's out in paperback this week. A little bit different from the stories that I was talking about the past few weeks um, in so Suki Kim was in North Korea in 2011 when all the Korean universities were shut down for one year and the students were sent to work in construction, except for about 270 students at the Pyongyang University of Science and Technology. Um, Suki Kim taught English there for six months. She was you know, watched by the watchful eyes of the regime. There were censors who read her letters. She felt like she had to hide everything, not just from her superiors, but also from her colleagues, because there has been an is a real culture of encouraging people to watch each other and to report on each other if they seem to be, you know, working against the regime or violating it in some way. And so she feels really alone and Kim grows attached to her students. She feels this sorrow for their belief in the regime, for how naive they are. And so she begins to hint at life outside North Korea at stuff like the internet and the existence of Harry Potter. Um, and conversely, they, they, they start to show her uh, some of the truths of their lives. And this is her memoir of that time, teaching those uh, elite selected students um, who were who the government decided were important enough um, and would be you know, useful to the future of the regime to keep them in school while everyone else was pulled out um, to work on construction projects and to help build the country. Uh, so I'm really interested in this. I feel like it's probably good that I read the other two books that I read in the order that I read them. So I have the background from those memoirs about what North Korea was like in the 70s and then the 90s. And so this is a story about uh, that starts in 2011. Again, it's called Without You, There Is No Us. My Time with the Sons of North Korea's Elite by Suki Kim. My next book is called Mighty Mighty by Wally Rudolph. Um, I heard everybody talking about it on the Book Riot Slack, so I was like, oh, I have to read that. Is it and about the Boston's? No, no. It's much, much darker than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mighty Mighty is a modern-day urban fable focusing on a group of young people struggling in Chicago. There is Steffi, who is a tattoo artist, and she's trying to make ends meet and take care of her younger sister, Amanda, who is an addict, uh, as well as taking care of their sick grandfather. Amanda is trying to uh, get out from an abusive relationship with this scumbag named Georgie. Unfortunately, Georgie doesn't want to let Amanda go that easily, and there ends up being this confrontation that leaves Georgie dead on the bathroom floor. 
Um, also, unfortunately, is the fact that Georgie has a psychopathic, corrupt ex-cop father who will stop at nothing to avenge the death of his son. So he's kind of making things miserable for them. Um, it's it's just this dark, gritty, realistic tale of violence and poverty in a big city. Um, it's definitely the darkest of my picks. It makes the others look like Pat the Bunny, really. <laughs> um, but it's amazingly well-written. It's a family drama. It's a crime drama. It's a hard-boiled thriller. Uh, fans of Richard Price, uh, who has written, oh, goodness, I've lost all the titles now, Freedom Land. Um, and, and many books. Many other books. He's great. He wrote for The Wire. And also for fans of David Simon, who wrote The Wire, um, they should check this out for sure. It will stick with you for a long time. Uh, and again, it's called Mighty Mighty by Wally Rudolph. All right. I'm so excited that I get to wrap up the show with this title this week. Uh, this was one of my favorite books last year, and it's out in paperback. It's called Mermaids in Paradise by Lydia Millet. This is just so great. Especially, You have to like satire. It's really excellent. It's about these newlyweds, Deb and Chip, who are on their honeymoon in the Caribbean. And someone discovers that there are mermaids, actual real mermaids, living in the reef where the resort is located. Uh, the corporation that owns the resort, of course, is a corporation. And so it wants to corral the mermaids and turn them into a tourist attraction. And it gets the wheels on that in motion very quickly. Um, news of the mermaids gets out and American cable news stations are just covered with religious nuts declaring that the mermaids are an abomination. They're a creation of the devil. They should be killed. And so now the corporation is coming to the island to try to build the tourist attraction. The religious nuts are coming to the island to try to kill the mermaids. And Deb and Chip cast their lot in with these conservationists who also just happen to be vacationing there at the time and who want to try to protect the mermaids. Uh, there are mercenaries. There is murder, or at least maybe murder. There is a lot of like madcap mayhem stuff that happens. Uh, Millet satirizes marriage. The voice of Deb in this book reminded me some of the voice of Amy in Gone Girl. She's very... Cutting uh, observes her husband in unflattering ways, is very honest about what it is to be married, even after just like a week, uh, and the things that she sees about her husband that she doesn't necessarily like. She's kind of not nice to anyone. You have to you have to be down with an unlikable main character to hang with this book. It is so so worth it. Uh, Millet also satirizes contemporary politics. We get to see both extremes here of you know extremely uh, right wing and extreme left wing responses and the capitalistic response to like, hey, these mermaids, aren't they incredible? Let's make them into a tourist attraction. Uh, it's a really biting. It's a really fun read. I just loved it. Uh, and it was my first Lydia Millet. It sent me into her backlist, for which I'm so thankful. She's really incredible and right in my wheelhouse. And uh, Mermaids in Paradise, for me, was a great uh, entry place into her work. So that's my Seconded. last... Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it, too. She's awesome. She's so great. Like, I, I just feel like it would be great to like get drinks with her and listen to her remark upon every mutual friend that you have. <laughs> yes. And hope that she doesn't talk about right. you the same way. When right. You're not exactly. Um, okay. So those are our picks this week. What are you going to go read now? I am just full of history today. Uh, I'm going to pick up, or I have just started before we started recording, um, a book that also comes out on the 13th. It is called The Great and Calamitous Tale of Johann Thames, How One Man Scorched the 20th Century But Did Not Mean To by Ian Thornton. It's a novel. Mm -hmm. um, do you know, like, pretty much everyone knows, like, when you're in school, they ask you that question, what started World War One? Yes. The assassination of Franz Ferdinand, not mm -hmm. the band, the Archduke of Austria, um, an heir presumptive to the Austro-Hungarian throne. That guy. 
um, not as well known is the circumstances of his death. He was visiting Sarajevo. Someone tried to blow him up with a bomb. He escaped. Uh, then he wanted to go visit the hospital where the people who had been injured were. And the driver got lost. They got stuck. A guy who was planning on killing him anyway looked out the window and was like, hey, there he is, and walked up to the car, and, and you know, the rest is history. Um, this is the story of Johann Thames, who is asked to fill in as a chauffeur for the day and ends up driving the Archduke around, getting lost, and how his mistake launched the First World War. That is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. I love those little, like, here's a very small character, you know, from history... Let's let's learn about them. Cool. Uh, I'm going to read Upright Beasts, the collection of short stories by nice. Lincoln Michelle. It came out a couple of months ago. I missed it when it no, came out. Like it didn't. I didn't. I didn't miss it. It's been what is no, it not it out yet? It comes out on Tuesday. Oh, okay. Well, I've had a copy Good sitting job. on my desk forever, so I just assumed that I missed. It. No, I'm like, <laughs> yay! Huh? I'm not late. Yeah. No, you're right. I'm looking at it now, and it says October. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not late. I'm going to read this. <laughs> um, I was spurred to pick it up when our friend Jason Diamond, who used to be uh, a books editor at Flavorwire and works for Volume 1 Brooklyn and now Men's Journal, tweeted that he realized he loves a lot of the stories in this book for the same reason that he loves Kelly Link. And I was like, sold, say no more. Uh, so I don't know anything else about this collection. I like going awesome. into to books blind like that. So I'm looking forward to reading it now. That's great. I'm very happy that I didn't actually miss it. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I've, it's been here for so long. They must be excited about it at Coffee House Press if they Coffee were sending House it out awesome. way early. They are so good at sending things out early. Cool. Yeah. I've said cool 900 times. I've but said amazing 900 times. It's and Sunday dark. afternoon and that's where I'm at right now. So yeah. that is our show. Thanks again to And West is West by Ron Childress and FabFitFun for sponsoring. You can get a link to And West is West in the show notes or you can find it wherever books are sold. Go to FabFitFun.com and use the code ALLTHEBOOKS to save $10 off your first box. Check out your $100 horror box from the Book Riot store. That's store.bookriot.com. We will send you good, scary reads and of course please come hang out with us at Book Riot Live on November 7th and 8th. And the code for the $20 off your registration there is more cats. So those are our sponsors and all of the things that we had to plug. Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you want to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, we appreciate that. And it helps other listeners who love books to find their way to us, which makes our family bigger and therefore happier. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now, including Upright Beasts, in the show notes at bookriot.com, all the books, as well as a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And that that's it. Woo woo. Happy, Happy reading. reading.